to the program everyone this is education leadership and beyond surviving and thriving this is andrew Murata, host of the show and i've been working on changing my opening line there i've been saying good morning because the show airs live on saturday mornings uh here in new york and the surrounding areas and on sunday mornings uh in the Stroudsburg and, and pennsylvania areas uh but we are a close to getting the show on iTunes and out there is a podcast so people might be listening at different times so we're going to tweak our opening and uh, so there we go I'm taking out the good morning and just a warm welcome to our listening audience I would like to give a shout out today to one of our listeners he's been there since the start coach Ron Semerano he tunes in every Saturday morning Ron I appreciate uh, your friendship and certainly you being part of the show also excited to announce that our live show on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, will be 9 to 11, and that's going to be at the Foundry 42 here in Port Jervis, New York, and uh, maybe I could talk today's guest into coming up for a cup of coffee to see Port Jervis, New York, and coming to visit, and I'm excited about today's guest as all of our guests, but uh, Peter Shankman is certainly uh, someone very special here. Uh, this is from his website here, petershankman.com. Peter Shankman is a spectacular example of what happens when you merge the power of pure creativity with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, also known as ADHD, and a dose of adventure and make it work to your advantage. An author, an entrepreneur, and corporate keynote speaker, this worldwide connector is recognized worldwide for a radically new ways of thinking about customer service, social media, PR, marketing, advertising, and ADHD. So Peter is going to be our guest coming up here in the next segment. And uh, last week I talked about podcasts and how I got listening and get started with that. And I heard Peter on the Good Dad Project a podcast that I do listen to, and, and he was fantastic. I identified with so many of the things that he talked about and uh, just talking about ADHD and, and how he counteracts that and, and realize that I have it. And it was something that I've had in my life that I, I put things into place to, to help counteract that and, and deal with that. And um, But I always, just like you know, people think about that, you use it as a disability or a disadvantage, whereas Peter really brings out advantages and and things that can help you by having ADHD so I checked him out I looked up up online I looked on YouTube and Peter's got a lot of stuff out there and I uh, took today's opening concept from a speech he gave last year and the name of his talk was called 10 ways not to suck by Peter Shankman so certainly we we're all trying to strive and thrive um, but Peter, Peter's entitled this speech, 10 Ways Not to Suck. And if you look it up on YouTube, he literally changed his speech that morning because he had such a hard time on the flight to where he was going. And he just 
put things into perspective about customer service and being kind to people and uh, things like that. So from that talk, I jotted down his 10 concepts, and this is uh, by today's guest, Peter Shankman. Number one is do your homework. Whatever you're involved in, whatever your work is, whatever you're meeting people, do some simple homework and learn somewhat about the person. Learn uh, something. I've interviewed uh, a couple hundred people over my time in, in Port Jervis, and I'll ask the question, what do you know about Port Jervis? And sometimes people say, yeah, I don't know much. Uh, you know, I know it's here in the western part of Orange County, and um, I know they have a good football team, things like that. Um, but I really like the people to have done some research, not only on the area, but the school, etc. Another story about doing your homework I remember uh, shaking hands with the coaches of the first game I refereed after my dad passed away. And, uh, you know, you always shake the hands and there's a million assistants. And um, I was still upset with losing my dad. And I got to the seventh assistant at the end of the bench and he said, Andrew, I'm really sorry to hear about your father. And it was like a slap in the face. I said, oh, my God, how, how did you know that? And he said, well, we, we check up on these things. And, uh, and I just I thanked him and. I never forgot that, and uh, I was always impressed, as Peter would say, you know, the guy did his homework. Number two, listen to your audience. Know what they're asking for, know what they want, and, and listen to what they have to say. Number three, brand everything you do. We are in a technological age. We are in an age of apps and emails and, and all that kind of stuff. Brand your stuff. You make something cool. You do something. Make sure you attach your name to it. And Peter goes on to tell about a story about one of the videos he had put out there that went quote-unquote viral, and he didn't attach anything about Peter Shankman or, or Shankman's there. So brand your stuff. Number four, be transparent and be honest. And I have to tell you, you know, Peter uh, puts his money where his mouth is. Uh, I haven't met Peter, and I've gotten to know him a little bit uh, from our conversations. But I reached out to him. I asked him to come on the program. He says, I'm there to help people. And uh, if you reach out to me, I'll get back to you. He absolutely did. And uh, very impressed with his transparency uh, of just trying to help people and be there for people. Number five, relevant. Is what you're doing relevant to others is are you connecting with your audience with your family with your friends be relevant number six brevity that's something that I'm working on sometimes I know I talk too much I guess having your own talk show uh, might help with that but be brief uh, and to the point uh, our one of our Hall of Fame teachers Kevin Birmingham uh, always said about speeches to be like a comet Memorable, brilliant, and brief. And uh, I always remember uh, Kevin uh, telling me that. Number seven, have top of mind and have the question, how can I help you? Most people in, in their thoughts and they're kind of, it, it's a, it, an inward thing. They're looking, how, how can I benefit myself? Peter talks about this concept of, of having, how can I help you? On the top of your mind, meaning in the forefront of what you're doing, what you're thinking about. And uh, my wife has also taught me that. 
I would uh, be at home trying to help her and thinking cleaning the kitchen or doing something that I think is trying to help her. And then she'd get frustrated with me and I'd look at her and she'd look at me and, and she'd say, you're not helping. And I'd say in my mind, yes, of course I am. I'm looking, I'm doing all this stuff. But meanwhile, she wanted something else done. So now I've certainly, that's the first time, you know, first thing I say, hey, babe, how can I help? How can I help you? And in a position of leadership and in a position of, uh, of business, if you're a business leader um, like Peter, that's a great question. How can I help you? Uh, instead of looking for things for yourself, you're looking to help others. Number eight, differentiate, differentiate yourself. How do you stand out from the rest? How do you do things a little bit differently? And how, how do you differentiate yourself? Number nine, understand yourself. What works for you? We're going to meet Peter here in the, in the next few minutes. And uh, he wrote a fantastic book called Faster Than Normal. And he also has a podcast of his own called Faster Than Normal. And he talks to a lot of different people about things they do with ADHD to try to help them. And uh, certainly the things that Peter has done in his life to really make him a, a superstar. So understand and know what know what works for you. I am not a guy that does doesn't uh, does well with a little amount of sleep. And being a high school principal, being a college basketball referee, sometimes I have late hours and uh, I'm always trying to work on making sure I get to bed early, making sure I get my rest because I need that energy. I li- live a busy life and, and I know that about myself. I knew that about myself in college. You know, you hear these stories of kids staying up all night long and studying and partying and etc. I was always a guy, I, I got a box fan in college because I had to drown out the noise to, uh, to get to bed. So I, I knew that early on. Last uh, 10 ways not to suck by Peter Shankman. Have a support team around you. Have a mastermind group. And uh, Peter has one of those that he runs. It's called Shank Minds. I'm going to ask him about that. Um, but have a, have a team. In my book, I, I, I call it the kitchen cabinet, and uh, that's from my friend John Exanthus. You know, who's in your kitchen cabinet of people that you trust, people that you could run ideas by, things like that. So that's today's opening concept. And again, if you want to see Peter give that video, just type Peter Shankman in uh, and even write 10 ways not to suck, and uh, that video will pop up. It's an awesome video, and it's pretty funny. So... Let's take a commercial break. We'll be right back, everyone, here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving with today's guest, Peter Shankman. Welcome back, everyone, to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. It's show number 34 with today's guest, Peter Shankman. Peter, thanks so much for uh, taking time out of your schedule to be with us here today. Happy to do it, my friend. Peter, you know, I followed uh, your steps here of 10 ways not to suck. I wanted to make sure we were a little bit better than sucking on the program today. And I did a little homework And in trying to describe your job, 
you know, you have a, a number of different jobs, but help help me out. And, and if you describe people what your job is and, and, you know, some of the things you do in your work, help help me introduce you to our program. Uh, the best way to describe it is so I have a four-year-old daughter, and she loves watching uh, Thomas and Friends. And the main purpose of Thomas and Friends, all those trains, their main purpose, they have a really good day when they've when they feel like they've been really useful. And that's kind of what I do for a living. I try to be really useful. I'm useful to people. I'm useful to corporations. I'm useful to companies. Um, I'm useful to parents. I help them understand, depending on the, the, the organization to which I'm speaking or working for, I help them understand that there are better ways to do things. Um, I have, I'm an entrepreneur. I've had three companies that I've started and sold all three successfully. Uh, I run the number one podcast that focuses on ADHD on iTunes called Faster Than Normal uh, because I have ADHD, and I'm trying to help people understand that it's a gift, not a curse, and that we're not broken. We're different, and different is good. I've written several books on the customer economy. I'm a talking head on the majority of the major news shows. Um, I probably do a bunch of other stuff. I run a mastermind group for about 200 people, and I hold conferences on that that uh, help people do better as uh, being entrepreneurs. I love being an entrepreneur. I feel it's the greatest job in the world. And uh, finally, um, so I started off with what I said. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a father to a four-and-a-half-year-old. That's pretty awesome. So I'm having a lot of fun. Let's put it that way. Well, and Peter, again, getting to know you via the socials and, and watching your videos and stuff, it, it's amazing how you've just put yourself out there. And I talked about in the opening concept about transparency, and you really do back that up, uh, uh, contacting people and, and kind of doing what you say. As you get to know you, you know, the concepts you talk about in your book, you, you live them in your daily life. You know, I don't think you, you can do – I don't think you can, you can be um, – I don't think you can talk about this stuff and not live the way you talk about it. I don't think you have the ability to, you know, if you're if you're if you're talking about it and you're not doing it, people are going to see that and they're going to understand that, for lack of a better word, you're kind of full of it. You know, well, Peter, I'm new to this world of, of radio and podcasts. Uh, you know, I'm a high school principal by day. This this world of entrepreneurship and trying to trying to get my book out there. You know, I've been turned down. A hundred times, people not getting back to me about the program or not getting back to me about something about the book. And I reached out to you, and bam, you, you, you got back to me just like that. I mean, it, it's, you talk about customer service. You know, I could see why you connect with people. Well, you know, look, again, I believe that, you know, you have to, you need to really uh, uh, walk the walk, right? You can't, you can't fake that stuff. So, Peter, you know, again, you could view a lot of your speeches on YouTube uh, and you could find you out there on social media and and something, you know, speaking in public, you know, some teachers are, you know, they're comfortable in their classrooms for sure, but maybe not so much in a, in a public setting. But I've gotten used to it being a high school principal, but you really speak quite often and with great energy and enthusiasm. Your speeches are just full of them. You know, how, how did you develop your secret to be so comfortable speaking in public like that and, and to become a great public speaker? Uh, both my parents are uh, musicians, and, you know, my, my mom was an, uh, an actress. And, you know, so I think that it, it's a little ingrained in me. But I also think that, you know, what I didn't realize at the time was that when I did speak and I'd give a really good speech and people would really enjoy it, that to me became sort of a uh, – I was getting dopamine from that. And, pe- you know, pe- I didn't realize at the time, but that was really me, um, you know, g- sort of self-medicating my ADHD. And so uh, for me, it just sort of became something I got really good at because it made me feel great. And, you know, when something feels great, you want to keep doing it, right? So I would just keep practicing and speaking more and speaking more, and I wound up going to high school performing arts, and I got to act and and sing and 
you know, that, that helped as well. And so, yeah, over time, it really just became um, sort of second nature to me. And I'm very fortunate that I, I, I get paid for it now. It's a lot of fun for me. And Peter, how did you transition to that? You mentioned some of the companies uh, that you've started. You know, I know Harrow really got you, you going. You were a journalist before you started doing any of these things, kind of things, correct? I was. Yeah, the one thing I knew is I always knew how to write. And so um, knowing how to write allowed me to do a lot of, uh, you know, from that I, be, I started off with journalism. And I thought that's where I'd want to go um, uh, for a career. And then um, just through a random twist of fate, I wound up working for America Online. Uh, and at AOL, I learned that I learned about things I could do, um, you know, outside of news in terms of like PR and things like that. And that's sort of when I left AOL, moved back to New York. That's really where it 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 led. Well, the speeches. I mean, you're you're doing a great job with that. And uh, again, you could find Peter at Peter Shankman on all the socials, as he says. Uh, but there's some great stuff on on YouTube uh, on there. Peter, um, let's talk a little bit about ADHD. You know, certainly as an educator. That is something I hear of often, something I discovered later in life that I have. You know, you knew this about yourself early on. When did you really start to, as a young adult, to say, like, damn, I got I to do some stuff here to, so I could be successful? When did you realize it was helping you and not hurting you? I think for me, it really became um, sort of understanding that when I decided to no longer care about what other people thought of me. That seemed to make life a lot easier. When I realized that other people's opinions didn't really pay my rent, that was sort of a wake-up call for me. And But that goes in line or opposite of customer service. You know, when, you, when you're focusing on customer service... Now, big, but here's the, here's the big difference. Okay. When you are, when you are working with companies, when you're working with customers, of course, their opinion matters. What I'm talking about is when I when I'd write an article or something, or someone would interview me and I'd read the comments in the you know on, on, on the web page. Sure, that's the stuff you have to ignore. Uh-huh. You do you do what works for you, and you do it as well as you possibly can, and you ignore the haters. I'm not talking about yeah. If I'm in a customer, you know, if I'm working with a client, of course they're always right. They're the client. But in a situation where you know I'm not going to sit there and pay attention to people who uh, you know just irk me or or, or, or or are looking for an internet site. That's pointless. It's a waste of time. And once I once I established that, life really became a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, certainly uh, <laughs> the stuff online as a school administrator, I, I, I can identify with it. And, you, and you're not going to get 100% uh, satisfaction. So that belief in yourself to continue to move forward and follow your gut uh, is important. Yep. Peter, another thing, again, dealing with ADHD and, and learning about those issues, you started skydiving. Where did that come from, and, and how did you connect it? That rush from skydiving was something that was helping you. You know, again, it was the same thing as when I was speaking. I realized, hey, how about the fact that, look at that, I'm, the things I'm doing are incredibly um, helpful, and they make me a better person, I should do more of them, right? So I did my first skydive. Most people, they do one skydive, they're happy with it, they move on. I No, I had to go and get my license immediately. And I immediately realized how beneficial this could be for me and how much I could do from this. And, like, you know, the dopamine, the serotonin, the adrenaline I get from doing this just blew it up. So that, to me, was, was, was pretty awesome. <laughs> Were you scared the first time, Peter? Were you like, what the, what the heck am I doing? 
I'm scared every time. The day I don't, the day I get up in the plane, I'm about to jump out, and I don't feel scared. That's the day I don't jump because there's obviously something wrong. You're jumping out of a plane two miles above the earth. You kind of should be scared. Did because you, you, you do it with someone the first time, right? You got the person well, attached to you. The first time, but but even now, you know, I go up on my own. I have my own uh, my own gear, and I go up, and it's like, look, I know that this plane can probably land. I probably don't need to jump, so I'm doing it for other reasons. And when you when your brain shuts, you know, says, okay, if you're gonna go, you're safe. Go ahead. That to me is 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 a, you know better than than giving into the fear, but you can't ever. I'll never stop myself and think I'm not scared, you know, because, like I said, the day I'm not scared, there's something really wrong. Yeah. you got to be scared. It's kind of important. We, uh, <laughs> fear, we, fear, is, fear is great. Fear keeps you alive. Fear tells you to finish the job and get the hell home. We watched uh, that special, uh, I think it was a year or two ago on TV, where the guy jumped without the parachute and he landed yep. in, that, in that net. You're, yep. you're not getting involved with that, are you? No, that's a little over my head. I, I'm a little, that's a little, a little ridiculous. <laughs> extra, extra run of uh, dopamine on that one. Exactly. Hey, Peter, you know, sitting where I sit and getting the, watching you and reading your books, and uh, I mean, I even complimented you about you read your own book, if you, if you get the audio version. Um, you know, you make it look easy. You make it look like you got it all together and you, you have all the answers. Can you describe, Peter, some of the some of the failures, some of the things that that you swung and missed on this road to where you are now? It's spectacular failures. I think one of the biggest failures I had was, you know, I'd come up with an idea and I'd think, "Wow, this is exactly the kind of I, this is a I love this idea." So because I love this idea, everyone should love this idea. And you know, I start a company around it because with your ADHD, you just go immediately and just do it. You don't think about it. And uh, for me, you know, the problem there is that not everyone thinks like I do. And so I've had I've come up with ideas that have just blown up and never taken off because. You know, I just assumed everyone else would like them. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, you, you learn to listen to the audience. You learn to listen to the people who, whose ideas you're going after. But um, I, I love having mistakes. You know, I love making mistakes. I love screwing up. I love – I want to hire someone who hasn't screwed up because if you, if you haven't screwed up, um, you haven't learned anything. And I, I don't want to employ someone who hasn't learned anything. Well, and that goes back to what you said earlier, kind of not, not really caring about it. You know what? It didn't work. I, well, I'm, we're going to move on to the next one. Well, you can move on to the next thing, but if you learn something from it, that's a lot better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Peter, it, talking about ADHD and getting ready for the program, you know, my wife uh, listened to many segments of the book with me. Uh, I certainly shared the part where you were on that uh, vacation and, and the, your, your date didn't show up on time and you got all pissed and you left. That part, you know, we, we share. But uh, the part where you describe in your book about you were so excited to share something with the, that person and you called and they didn't pick up. And you called their work phone and you didn't pick up. And then you write the email that they don't care and they're the worst person. And uh, That part, uh, my wife and I really identified because uh, I'm like that with her. And she's busy. We have three kids. She's a guidance counselor. And, you know, during the day and uh, even at, at night at home, it's hard to, to get in touch with her. So that impulsivity of, of ADHD is something that I certainly can relate to. Um, can, yeah. you, can you talk about that a, a little bit? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I've found is that, is that the more you, you know, you, you have to understand that you are impulsive and you do things impulsively. And that's very beneficial. But you need to make sure that there is a, you know, that you have, whether you work with people or whether you have, like my assistant, you know, she controls my, um, my Your schedule. Uh, schedule and everything else because 
I know that if I do it myself, I'll screw up. So I, I don't, I don't bother doing it myself. I let her do it, and that allows me to do a much better job, right, of doing the right thing. So it's a lot easier to know what you're good at and know what you're not good at. And, you, and what I'm good at, I let, I do myself. What I'm not good at, I'm smart enough to understand to let other people do it for me. And, and that's, you know, probably one of the best lessons you could possibly learn. And she, uh, she is uh, the, the organizer. I made the mistake of calling you on your phone to, to connect, and you said you got to touch base with Megan. Peter, yeah. how, how did, you know, someone as successful as you, that, you know, how did you build that trust with her to, to gain that, that she would be good enough to manage your schedule like she does? It's taken time. You know, it's been about, she's been with me, God, almost 10 years. Wow. And um, that is, you know, that's what you learn. You understand sort of what, again, what you're good at, and, and you have a trusted audience, uh, trusted uh, a group of people who work with you, who you can, who you can um, uh, uh, benefit from, right? You're good at what you're good at. They're good at what they're good at. And you let them do what they're good at. And that's the thing. That's really the thing. Is, you know, I've had to learn to back off. I can't micromanage her. If I micromanage her, I get in a lot of trouble. And so I can't do that. Peter, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble with uh, my producer here if we don't take a commercial break. Uh, We will be right back, everyone, with today's guest, Peter Shankman. to the program, everyone, on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. It's show number 34 with today's guest, Peter Shankman. And Peter, uh, this is the third week of uh, that new music. And uh, again, if you're someone with ADHD, you could uh, relate to that music because I told the guy who made that, Pete Connors from Shabby Studios, they wanted a lot of energy or a lot of enthusiasm and and something that moves. So uh, that's some music for people with ADHD. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Peter, I mentioned some of your videos on YouTube. And if you go back some years ago versus you go back uh, the past couple of years, you know, if you go back 10 years ago to what you see in the last year or two, you've dramatically changed your life, uh, especially out on the surface, talking about your weight. Um can you talk a little bit about some of the things, and you go into this in your book and your podcast uh, called Faster Than Normal, uh, about some of the changes you made in your life in terms of what you eat and, and uh, uh, alcohol consumption? You know, for me, I really just realized that, um, you know, when you're ADHD, you have pretty much two speeds, and I've mentioned this before. You have, you know, namaste and I'll cut a bitch, right? And, and there's... There's not really much of a, a middle ground there. And so for me, um, there were certain things I was doing that didn't lend itself well to finding that middle ground because I didn't have it. Uh, one of them was eating. You know, I, I would order a pizza, and most people that have a couple of slices, they put the rest in the fridge for leftovers. I'd eat the whole pizza. It was in front of me. I'd do it. 
And the same thing was happening with alcohol. I wasn't going out to get drunk. I wasn't doing anything like that. It's just I, I would drink the same way I eat or drink water, which is just super, super fast. And so it got to the point where I needed to get, where I needed to sort of wake up and say, okay, you know what? This isn't helping. You're not having the best possible day you can have. You're not having the best life you can have. You're not doing it. So what needs to change to get there? And for me, it really came down to sort of quitting drinking and focusing on what I eat and how I eat it and, and you know, not allowing myself to get into that position where I could get sort of out of control. And what's interesting about that is that it's not easy, right? And I've backslid a couple of times. Um, the, the nice thing is, though, is that I've probably lost about oh, 40 pounds or so, and I immediately can tell now when that is starting to happen. I can tell when I'm starting to backslide. I can tell when I'm not focusing on my food as much as I should or focusing on what I should be eating as much as I should. I understand that, and I understand – I can see it almost immediately, and it allows me to get right back into that zone. Again, because when, you, when you're ADHD or when you're just, you know, type A, you really only have those two speeds, and so you need to make sure you're taking care of yourself as much as possible. And Peter, you know, with the, the, the public nature of the book and your podcast, have you had a lot of people that have had uh, alcoholism problems reach out to you uh, to, for help? I have. You know, and, and look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not anything like that. All I know is, is what I can do and, and, and sort of what works for me, and I'm happy to share that information with anyone who asks. But, you know, I also tell anyone that, you know, if it's something they're, they're looking for, if they need help, whatever, they should really talk to someone because it's not, you know, what I'm good at. Um, so it, it's, for me, I just, I, again, I know what works for me. I know when I'm in my best um, uh, 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 life. I know when I'm doing my best. I know when I'm working my best. And I know when I'm not. And so it's very, it's important for me to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. And, and you know, again, a lot of that comes from, from making sure I'm eating the right way, making sure I'm staying healthy, making sure I, I don't start down this path that could turn one cheat day into a three-month routine. And, and another thing that you've learned about yourself that you've put into place that you've talked about publicly is, is cycling and uh, uh, what that has done for you. And, um, I, you know, Peter, it's, it's funny, the comparisons, you know, not only did I learn you're uh, from Staten Island when we got chatting, um, you know, the, the biking. I started biking about two years ago. And, and I just, there was always something I enjoyed about it. Um, I refereed college basketball, so I try to save my knees for running on the court. And it was just something always very liberating I found about biking. I, I, I enjoyed being outside. I enjoyed the actual physical movement. And now I realize after, you know, listening to your podcast, you know, that ADHD and, and bike riding, just, just being outside and, and the different scenery and uh, the different paths all are invigorating, uh, you know, for the, for the person doing it. Um, you're a big cyclist, and you also ride that, that bike inside. What do you call that? The, uh, yeah, the Peloton, yeah. And, you know, it's funny. It's not just about, for me, it's not just about the cycling. It's really about exercise. So I run, I swim, I bike. Um, I'm triathlete. I've done Ironman triathlon. My logic has always been why well, suck at one sport when you get stuck at three at the same time. Um, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I try to make sure that again, whatever I'm doing, it's just, it's something that I enjoy doing and it's healthy for me. It's, I'd rather be addicted to something like exercise than something negative. And it just, you make it sound so simple, but to know those things about yourself well, and to make those simple, transitions. 
Go ahead. Simple to understand it. It's a lot harder to put it into play. Sure. sure. Everyone, everyone knows that they should probably have a piece of grilled chicken instead of a double Whopper with cheese. Right? Everyone knows that. Yeah. You're not going to never find anyone out there who truly believes that um, a double Whopper with cheese is healthier than grilled chicken. But the difference is it's, it's easy to know that it is. It's a lot harder when you're walking on your way home and you pass a Burger King to go to the restaurant next door and get a piece of grilled chicken. Sure. But if you have that top of mind like you talked about uh, and that we talked about in the opening segment and that top of mind, you know, how can I help you? But also, hey, this is a goal of mine and I've focused on being healthy and I'm going to do it because it's in the top of your mind. Those things are, you know, if you're focused on it, they're, they're a bit easier to do. Uh, but exactly. it's, not, it's not simple. Yeah. Peter, you know, again, learning about Staten Island, you, you chose to go uh, to school in Manhattan. And uh, I had another friend on from Staten Island that went to the Bronx High School of Science. You know, your dad, was your dad the principal where you went to school? Uh, the, the performance? No, 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 no. My dad at the time that I was at LaGuardia, my dad was uh, the assistant principal at Curtin. Got it. Okay. Okay. What, you know, why did you, that's a long commute. If you're not from the metro area, that's a that's not an easy commute. Peter's not going five minutes down the block. That why did you choose to leave the island like that and go to school almost an hour away by public transportation? Staten Island is a very interesting place, and it has a. I honestly believe that Staten Island had its own. If, if it ever seceded and became its own state, it would have to get its own license plate. And the <laughs> license plate, I believe, the Staten Island would choose would be Staten Island, where if you're different, that's wrong. And <laughs> I was not, you know, a typical student. I was very uh, non-traditional. And again, all the stuff we talked about, all the stuff that I didn't realize until another 20 years from then, that were my, you know, my ADHD kicking in and just sort of the way I work. And so I was not a, I, I did not do well in a place where everyone was like everyone else. And so for me, um, I think going to uh, LaGuardia, going to music and art, Everyone else was different there, and that made it perfect. And and how did you how did you discover that as an eighth grader, Peter? We have a lot of uh, students up in the area that listen to the show here. And how did you know that about yourself as an eighth grader? Well, that's one of the benefits of uh, having two parents that are, are music teachers. But I also knew that there were you know I knew there were other school other schools that knew there were alternatives, other places I could go. And for me, it was really just about. Getting out of that island, yeah. off that island as quick as possible, and and you know the, the the I had to come home every day. I went to school, came home every night, and then the joke is um, uh, uh, when I left for college, um, you know it was sort of like leaving. Uh, if you watch the uh, when Roadrunner leaves and he he takes off <laughs> and he he goes so fast that like he leaves his skin or his bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was pretty much me. <laughs> Peter, my, I went to, again, another similarity, I left the island, I went to Zavarian High School in uh, Bay Ridge, uh, Brooklyn, and uh, my assistant principal always used to say, hey, yeah, hey, Murata, where are you from? And I'd say, Staten Island. He'd go, I'm sorry? And I'd say, Staten Island. He'd say, no, I heard you. I'm just sorry. I'm just sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's my, my joke is always, um, Staten Island was named because in the 1600s, the Dutch were, the Dutch were um, coming up the... Uh, up the uh, you know the Hudson and they see this speck of land in the distance. The first one says, "That's an island." <laughs> Staten Island. <laughs> yeah, and you know you're from Staten Island when you call it the mall. The mall, <laughs> <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Peter, you talked a lot about your energy, 
your enthusiasm, the things you do to keep you going and those endorphins. You know, one of the things I found that I've gotten older uh, and having a job being a principal was was downtime. Uh, I like that that Kenny Chesney. Who would have thought a guy from Staten Island likes Kenny Chesney country music? But he has a song called My Old Blue Chair. And he talked about uh, on the islands that that's where he goes and to write songs and think and, and relax. Where is that downtime for you, you know, living in Manhattan? Where, where do you find time to really relax and, and catch your breath? I think it's with my daughter, or it is skydiving, or honestly, it's also on an airplane. You know, I get some of my, my best ideas and my best uh, re, re, sort of reboots on an airplane. And I flew this weekend, and I thought of you, Peter. And what, can you share the story of, of writing that book? Can you can you tell our listeners what you did in writing that your latest book called Faster Than Normal? So I got on a plane. Um, I took a flight to Tokyo. I went from uh, New York, Tokyo. I wrote half the book. I flew from Tokyo to New York back and wrote the second half. I had no reason to be in Tokyo other than to write that, literally to be on the plane to write the book. And by the time I got I landed like 31 hours later. I had a, I had a book. I was exhausted, but I had a book, and um, it works for me. I got into that deep focus, that deep work mode, and I just went to town. That sound of the plane, the confines of the seat, the computer right in front of you, really not being able to move. Right? Hey, where else am I going to go? <laughs> That's incredible, Peter. And I like how you talk about in the book, uh, you know, where you were in the, in the flight. You know, it yep. was it was fantastic. Uh, Peter, we are up against the rapid-fire portion, or for you today, up against the ADHD portion of the show. I have some rapid-fire questions, so we're going to fire away. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Last book you read? Last book I read was, I reread a book called uh, They Can Kill You But They Can't Eat You by a woman named Dawn Steele, who was the first female president of Paramount Pictures. It's how she uh, grew up and survived um, the man's world of Hollywood in the 80s. Interesting. They can kill you, but they can't eat you. Wow. Okay. Last movie. Uh, last movie was Coco. I took my daughter to see Coco. I cried like a baby. What a great film. Really? That's Disney, yeah. right? Such an amazing. Pixar, yeah. Amazing, amazing movie. Okay. I'll get it on the list with Team Arada. Favorite place to visit? I know you travel a lot. Favorite place to visit? I love going to Asia. Put me in any part of Asia, I'm very, very happy. Um, you know, Tokyo, Hong Kong, uh, Thailand, you, you name it. Peter, one of the things we're going to do with my kids when they turn 16 is we're going to let them pick anywhere they want to go in the globe uh, to explore, you know, and they'll take one of their parents uh, with them. Right. So when that time right. comes, uh, I'm calling you for a recommendation. By all means, I'll give them an entire itinerary. You uh, you just answered the last question about the plane environment, so I'll skip that one. What is the best speech you ever gave? Wow, it's a really good question. I think um, I like to think every speech I give gets a little better. Um, probably the first time I got a standing ovation, which was two thousand nine, at the Association of uh, American Society of Journalists and Authors. And I, I got a standing ovation, and my mom was in the crowd, and she, she came to see it because it was in New York. And it, it was fun to watch her watch me get a standing ovation. That was pretty cool. Wow, that's cool. And that was something that you have a great passion for, you know, journalism. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's easier to speak when it's something that you have passion about, correct? Yep, yeah. no question about it. Biggest pet peeve? Uh, 
people who talk too loudly on cell phones, people who call me and say, and when I say I'm busy, they go, okay, I just have one question, and they start <laughs> asking it, which totally defeats the purpose of my saying I'm busy. And then people who walk five abreast on a New York City street and do it, they do it slowly. <laughs> Biggest no-no in business. God, there's so many of them, but I would just say not placing the concept of the customer experience first and foremost. Excellent point. Best thing about being from Staten Island? You can leave. <laughs> not really. Sometimes you get trapped on that island. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll say, I'll say this, though. I definitely, you know, everyone says, would you, would you change anything? And I, 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 No, as much as, it, as much as it was hell, as much as I got the, my ass kicked every day, I learned a lot about myself, and I learned how to, how to, how to get better. And so I don't regret it. I don't regret it. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, best tip you could give to someone about becoming a great public speaker? Ironically, the best way to become a great public speaker is to listen. I, I probably listen 10 times more than I talk. I listen to people. I'll go into speeches. When I have a speech at 9 a.m., I'll sit there at 7 a.m., and I'll watch as people start showing up, and I'll just listen to them. I'll just listen to who they are and what they're talking about, and I'll adjust my speech on the fly to, to connect with them. Cool. Best thing about being an entrepreneur? Every day is exciting. Every day is something new. Every day is creating something um, different. Every day is a chance to help people. Worst thing about being an entrepreneur? You're essentially waking up every morning and you have to build a, par a working, you have to jump off a cliff, then build a working parachute and hope you can finish it by the time you hit the ground. Oof. Oof. If you're giving a speech, Peter, and you feel like you're not connecting with the audience and you feel like it's off, what is your biggest go-to on, you know, on the fly? I usually ask, I, I've, I've done this before, I've asked the audience, um, what do they want to hear? Well, that goes to the opening concept of listen to your audience, not to suck. Yep. Yeah. Uh, who is a mentor in your life that has had a great impact on you? Several people, I mean, countless, countless people, but I'd say that um, a guy named Barry Schwartz, uh, I got one of my first jobs from him after I left America Online. And then, of course, I learned a ton from Steve Case, who found Well, I was fortunate to have him as a boss. Cool. Last one, um, Peter, and I'll give you an exempt if you want to go over a little bit. You know, you, you, you help so many people, Peter. You talk fast. You're a New Yorker. You know, sometimes I get a lot of feedback, uh, you know, that it's like they call me a lot of Marada. You know, it's almost too much. How do you know to not go over the line about people saying he's a know-it-all versus just a practical guy who's just trying to help others in business and in life? I think, the, again, that comes back down to listening. Um, whenever I meet someone, I try really, really hard to listen more than I talk to them because that allows me to learn from them, and then I can give them information and ask them information, things that they need, things that they have, um, that allows me to, um, to better help them. It doesn't have to be all about me. Once I learn that it's not all about me, my life got a lot better. Great answer, Peter. I love it. We got to take another commercial break. We'll be right back, everyone, with Peter Shankman, expert on ADHD and author of Faster Than Normal. We'll be right back on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Yeah. 
Welcome back to the program, everyone. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving, show number 34 with my guest, Peter Shankman. Before we uh, bring Peter back in, a quick recap of the opening segment, 10 Ways Not to Suck by Peter Shankman. It was a speech he gave a couple of years ago, and uh, he offered uh, advice here. He changed his speech that morning, and it's online. It's on YouTube. You can find it. But Peter says, number one, do your homework, whatever you're involved with. Know something about your guests, your work, your projects. Do some homework. Number two, listen to your audience. Number three, brand everything you do. Number four, be transparent and be honest. You can't beat that. Number five, relevant. Number six, brevity. I'm working on that. Number seven, top of mind and have it right there. How can I help you? How can you help others? Number eight, differentiate yourself. Number nine, understand yourself and know what works for you. And number 10, have a support team and or a mastermind group that you can go to uh, to help. Peter, I want to welcome you back in. And again, you did a great job today. I appreciate you, uh, you coming on. Um, this is the write-in portion of the show, Peter, where our listeners can and can send in a uh, uh, a question or a comment about the show, and they can do that. You guys can reach out to the show, Andrew at NeverSinkMediaGroup.com or on Twitter at Andrew Murata 21 And, Peter, before we get to the write-in uh, portion, how can people uh, reach out to you or leave you feedback or get in touch with you uh, regarding some of your things you're working on? Yeah, my entire life is at shankman.com. They can find me there. And uh, on the socials, at Peter Shankman? The socials, I'm at Peter Shankman everywhere, yep. And I know uh, you, your your latest mastermind group is almost filled, if it's not already. Uh, if someone wanted to attend one of your mastermind groups, how could how could they do that? Head over to shankminds.com. They can start there. Okay. Well, that's something great. Peter, um, we didn't have a chance to talk about it on the show, but another thing you go in depth in the book is about apps and how to use apps to help you uh, in your life, to keep you organized, to keep you on track. One of the things I experienced as a high school principal with with 13- and 14-year-old freshmen coming into school, phones and that kind of stuff, if, if a parent is you know a preteen is going to get their first first phone and your daughter's not there yet my daughter's not there yet you know what advice would you give to my listeners for those parents that are starting out with their child in getting a smartphone and the use of apps and that kind of stuff i think one of the best things is teach them to understand that um you know having a phone is a privilege not a right and that it's not designed sure you can play games you could talk with your friends but it's designed to make your life easier, to save you time. If you go, if they go into there, if they get their first phone, understanding that it's designed to save them time, but to help them, um, you know, they won't look at it as a tool, as a toy, or something like that. Okay. Well, that is. Uh... I look at. I mean, sure, I have, I have games on my phone, but the majority of what I do is all about um, focusing on on um, uh, using my phone to 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 allow me to make the best use of my time. Well, Peter, you uh, gave great, great insight today. Uh, again, I appreciate you making the time uh, to give someone who's starting out uh, talking about entrepreneurship and education and, you know, to, to give a shot here. And uh, I very much appreciate it. 
Happy to do it. My pleasure. Great. And hopefully our, our audience uh, can contact you. We do have a quote to end the show, Peter, and it's it's something that you said in one of your speeches, and it, and it rang true. Um, so let's see if you can place it here. Peter says here, uh, people with means give opportunities to people they trust. Be someone that people trust. And that's, that was said by you, Peter, in one of your speeches. It It's so true. I mean, you know, the... the Companies don't hire people. People hire people, and people hire people to people with people they trust. Absolutely, and that's a great uh, segment to end on, Peter. All the best to you, uh, and I wish you the best with the book and beyond. My pleasure. Thank you. Great. Next week's guest, tune in, Dr. Mark Frankel, podiatrist in Milford, Pennsylvania. He'll be on the program. What the heck are we going to be talking about? Feet? You'll find out. Signing off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. Go out and change the world for the better.